It's about time to begin. It's good to see everybody. I want to thank all the ladies, and there may have been some men that helped with the meal. I doubt it, but thank you men if you did help. But ladies, appreciate that great meal. I, I took some soup home since I'm a bachelor this week. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 25. We'll read the parable of the talents tonight. If somebody would like to read that, I've got Roy. He's got the microphone, and we're going to be reading verses 14 through 30, if anybody would like to read. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. All right. Thank you, Jim. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately the one who has received, who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. And the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me, seeing I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one who also had received the two talents, came up and said, Master, you entrusted me two talents. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who also had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has had the ten talents. For to everyone who has shall more be given, and he shall have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. And cast out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right. Thank you, Jim. Now, uh, it, it just occurred to me when you go back and look at the context of, of this parable and where it is in Matthew, prior to uh, Matthew 25, we have Matthew uh, 24, which talks about the coming of the Lord 
and being ready. So if you, if you read Matthew 24 in detail, you'll see that he talks about the signs of the end of the age, the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. He also talks about the return of the Lord. So in context, as he continues into chapter 25, this was right on the heels of him talking about being ready for the return. That's why the parable of the ten virgins is right at the very beginning of Matthew 25. And then from the parable of the ten virgins, that is to be ready, have your your lamps trimmed and ready and have plenty of oil because the bridegroom cometh, right? Even an hour you don't expect. Same thing is happening here in context of the parable of the talents. So it's all framed in this, this idea of the Lord's coming back. He may be gone for a long time. He may come back at a time when you're not expected, but be prepared, be ready, because the Master's returning, and he'll want you to give an account of how you've conducted yourself. He wants to find you ready. He wants to find you prepared and doing those things that he's commanded you to do at the time he returns. And so, so be ready. That's why he says in verse 14, for it will be like, that's what a parable means to draw a parallel between a physical event and a spiritual application that we use in our lives, even today, to be ready. So let's talk about the parable of the talents. You've heard this most of your life growing up in the church. So let's begin with just some basics. First of all, what is a talent? Who can tell me? A day's work. Okay. A day's pay. Okay. A day's pay is technically a denarii, right? And I think I'm right because I researched this a little bit earlier. A denarii is a day's wage, but a talent is actually quite a bit more, Roy. Oh, okay. So, sorry. Didn't mean to put you on the spot. But a ta- this is interesting. A talent is not a value of money. Did you realize that? A talent is a measure of weight. So when you measure out a talent of something, it depends on what it weighs. And I found out that you can either have a talent of silver or a talent of gold. Anybody want to guess how much it weighs? 58 pounds. Wow. Imagine today if I put down in front of you 58 pounds of gold. That'd be a little bit chunk of change, wouldn't it? So the first man in this parable gets how many talents? Five, all right? Five times 58 pounds. That's a lot of gold. Well, here's the problem. When was your Bible written? And what's the price of gold today? Yeah. See, I always, I'm always very cautious to say it's worth X amount of dollars because that was written when, based on what, and how much is the, the precious metal worth today. So I'm just giving you pounds, 58 pounds. That's an incredible amount of money, even in silver, but more so in gold. That's a, that's a ton of money. It's a lot of money. So it was a very substantial amount that this master entrusted to his servants. All right, what is the job of the master in this parable? Do we know? Okay, it's not important. Jesus didn't say what the master did. But we do know this, that the master entrusted the servants with his resources, with his money, And what was important in this parable is that they did what he needed them to do, and that is to take these resources, right, these things that were valuable, 
and multiply them, correct? So we know the faithful servant, the one that got five talents, he produced how many more? Five. So he multiplied the 58 pounds times five times five more, so he doubled that when the, when the master came back. I think in the, in the uh, yeah, in verse 19, if you still got it open, notice when he came back. He didn't say when he was coming back. He just says, after a long time. So I begin to see some parallels here between Jesus' return, right? When's Jesus coming back? I don't know. He doesn't tell us. But we know that he's coming back. And we who are entrusted certain things that he endows upon us, that he, he gives us, uh, he expects to see a return on that investment. So we talked about a, a denarii um, being one day's wage, a talent being 58 pounds of either silver or gold. And easy to get mixed up on that, by the way, because I had to look it up. I wasn't sure myself. So the master is obviously the Lord who owns all of the things, and he entrusts the uh, servants, us, to time, money, talents, and resources. So the second uh, servant got two talents. How many did he create? Two more. Now, what I want to do real quick is I want to go down to verse uh, 21. Notice that he says, uh, and I'm just paraphrasing, you've been faithful over a little, I'll set you over much, enter into the joy of your master. So he was pleased, right? When he came back, he was pleased with the five-talent servant. Notice the servant that uh, created the two talents. What does he say in verse 23? The same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So one of the points that's important tonight for us to realize is God will always be pleased with the two-talent man just as much as he is with a five-talent man, provided both people, men or women, use those talents and multiply those talents, right? You understand the point? God is not more pleased with somebody that he gives a whole bunch of talent to and they produce a lot. He's not less pleased with somebody that only has two talents that produces two more talents. There is no distinction whatsoever. God is pleased with any child who uses talents for his glory, right? So all of you out there, I don't know who you are, but I know there's somebody out there who says, oh, shucks, you know, when it came to talents, I don't know if I got any at all. I don't think I have any talents. All of us have some talent. It may not be a whole bunch. There are some people that are extremely talented in the church, very bright, very resourceful, very articulate, whatever. They're very, you know, they just sort of like cream. They rise to the top, and they're very talented, and they tend to be more public and more praised. But your talent is just as valuable. Even if you're a one-talent person, use it. Because I suspect, and I don't know this, y'all correct me if you think I'm wrong, if the one-talent man had come to the Lord and said, Lord, I took that one talent you gave me, and I've invested it. Here's two talents back. Here's your, my talent and another talent. I think the master would have been just as pleased with the five-talent and the two-talent man as he was the one-talent man had the one-talent man done something productive. Make sense? All right. Yes, Gentry. 
Here comes Roy, the microphone man. All right, Gentry has a comment. When my father was uh, preaching in Flint, Michigan, he converted a man where he was there, and uh, he, uh, he was single, and he was extremely shy. And he, okay. He couldn't drive, but he, he uh, rode a bicycle every day. Wow. And he cleaned out the tracks uh, at the congregation. Okay. And he passed them out, uh, and before he died, he uh, converted one individual. Wow. That's wonderful. So the, the, he uh, had a good talent. Yeah, he was a Bible, Bible track man, right? He didn't, he didn't get up and do things publicly. He didn't participate in public worship, but yet he used that one talent. And, and I love the idea that he converted somebody, and that one person, if they remain faithful, will be in heaven today. Isn't that wonderful? I love the song. Perhaps you've heard it, Must I Go and Empty Handed, the old hymn. The idea, the concept is, is when you are presented before the Lord on the day of judgment, Think about this idea that God has entrusted you with something. I don't know how many talents you have. You may be a one-talent person. You may think you're a half-a-talent person, right? You may be a five-talent person. The concept here is what do you bring to the Lord? How have you returned on his investment, right? What is it that he's expecting to have us bring him on that day, right? Think about that. And are you about your father's business? Are you bringing a talent to God now? Are you working on that? So I want to talk about the idea of stewardship. Stewardship is actually an anglicized word called sty, like a pig sty, a pen uh, where you keep cattle or animals or pigs. And um, ward, W-A-R-D, sty ward, is the anglicized word of steward, stewardship. So sty, livestock, ward, someone to whom the animals have been entrusted, a keeper of the livestock, over which you don't own them, but you're responsible, you've been in charge. So we are stewards of the talents that God has given us. Talents and abilities, time, resources, all of the things around you, your home, your vehicle, your clothing, uh, the, the, the job that you have, the paycheck that you earn, these would all be considered resources that God has given us. Sometimes people who are very talented will go out into the secular world and they'll use these talents and abilities that may be God-given, but use them for secular gain, right, or benefit. And they forget God. They don't give God the benefit of the things that he has given them. Somebody turn to James chapter 4, verse 1. I'll go ahead and read. Um, I just thought this was interesting that James talks about human nature sometimes wanting things, desiring things for the wrong reasons. What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. In other words, Lord, I, I need this. I want you to bless me with this. But then he says in verse 3, 
Uh, you, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people do not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So this idea is that God has placed a spirit in you. He has made you his child, a vessel for his glory. And so if he bestows talents or abilities on you, by all means use those to glorify him, not just to put material things in your life, things that make you happy, things that make you look successful, things that give you status. Because if we do that, I believe we'll be going to the Lord empty-handed. Make sense? Wow, this is important. I hope everybody gets this tonight. How are you spending your time to glorify God with the talents that he's given you? That's so critical. And we've been given different talents. Uh, So God's plan is to give various gifts to various amounts to people. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, this whole idea of gifts comes up. And I'd like to turn to 1 Corinthians 12 if you've got a moment. 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to read um, verse 28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. In other words, there is a diversity of gifts. God has appointed so many different people in the church to do different roles and functions. I want to talk about those in just a moment in Romans 12. Let's talk about some of the specific gifts. I'm going to read verse 6 through 8 of Romans 12. So here's the gifts. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Then he talks about prophecy in proportion to our faith, service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So here's the diversity of various gifts. And this is not an all-inclusive list of gifts. But I just want to make the point tonight in class that you have a gift. I don't know necessarily what your gift is. Maybe I do, but God knows what your gift is, and hopefully you know what your gift is. If it's not something you've really asked the Lord about, if it's not something you've prayed about, you know, maybe you've just been one of these church members for years and years that just sits on the sideline and you just observe and you watch and you participate and you come to services regularly. But my challenge to you tonight is what is your gift? And are you using that gift to please God, to glorify God? All right, so let's talk about tonight. Let me just throw out a question, get y'all talking a little bit. How in the world would you know where you're talented? How would you know what your gift is? Can anybody share or talk about maybe a discovery process or of what you've done or how you've decided this is what I'm good at, I'm going to do this to glorify God? Anybody? Anybody want to share a journey? Quiet group tonight. 
All right, let's talk generic. How can you find out what you're good at? Ryan? I think this might be a little too simple, but what do you enjoy doing? Yeah, good. Okay, so a good first start is if it brings you joy. joy. All right. Joy. I'm going to put Howard on the spot for just a minute with that in mind. I like to watch Howard. I'm not weird or anything. Okay. But let me, let me clarify that statement. I like to watch Howard when we go to the singings on Saturday. All right? And I'm going to tell you why. Howard, when you lead singing on Saturday, how does it make you feel? Uh, very good, edified, happy, uh, encouraging that uh, it's having an effect on, on other people. So. Do you feel like what you're doing to serve the Lord is a burden? No. All right. When you leave that time of service, when you lead the singing in the various facilities, do you feel encouraged, edified, and energized, or do you feel down and sad? No, feel very encouraged. Okay. So I don't know if y'all can hear Howard, but what he's saying is when I do these things for God in a very natural way, um, you're not uncomfortable, you don't feel unqualified, uh, it's just something you're naturally drawn to, right? And he leads with much zeal. Those of you that go to the singing know that he gets up there and he gives it 110%. I mean, he's, he's really into it, and I can I enjoy watching Howard because I can tell he loves what he does. And he's even talked at length about how it benefits the, the patients, maybe dementia or Alzheimer patients. I mean, you can go in and look at a lady on a couch who won't even look at you. She won't establish eye contact. Maybe she's even mean and, and like, tries to hit somebody. But you start singing Amazing Grace. Whew, what happens, Howard? Oh, they start singing. and uh, She knows all the words. Exactly. Uh, we had one woman who, who was kind of rough and talking kind yeah. of rough and stuff. Agitated. And, we, and they started singing Amazing Grace, and she started smiling and singing. Yeah. It just, it really had a big impact, and I think that's partly why God has singing as part of worship. Right. Because it has such an effect. It's deep down in your brain, uh, uh, some of the areas that, that maybe aren't touched as much are touched mm-hmm. when you sing. Right. So true. It stirs something deep within us, and some of these patients, especially in our, in our dementia unit or Alzheimer's unit that don't interact socially, you start singing. I'm amazed. Some of them just come alive, and they sing all the songs. They know the words. Those words are Im- embedded deep, deep in their mind. And when we sing, it unlocks a part of that brain, and, and they just respond. And I, I get tickled at one lady. Every time we go, we'll sing Amazing Grace. She goes, I wrote that song. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so Thank you. That was a wonderful song. Yeah. We'll sing it again next time we come. Yeah, every time she wrote that song. It's, it's just a delightful thing to see brothers, and I apologize for putting you on the spot, but brothers and sisters who do something. Oh, by the way, we're going to have a singing uh, this uh, Saturday. Saturday. I'll be out of town, so Brian's going to lead the singing at Brookdale. Brookdale. So if they can be there at 225 uh, this Saturday at Brookdale. Okay. Brookdale is uh, oh Brookdale is the one of their memorial drive yeah memorial drive okay so here's a classic example and I'm using Howard I don't think he minds of serving in a way where you're naturally gifted you, it brings you Ryan and I don't know if you were finished yet okay you're 
It brings you joy. So that's a good, anything else you wanted to add? I'm sorry. It brings you joy. It makes you happy. You, you do it naturally. And so um, I want to go on and say that, that um, when, we, when that light bulb comes on in our head and we're like, what do I really enjoy doing? Uh, I like to work on, I don't know, let's say a person says, I'm a good mechanic, I can rebuild engines. <laughs> yeah, Lord, use that. He can. If you're creative and, and you go out and find people that need Jesus that happen to have an engine that's blown up in their garage, guess what you can do? You can say, hey, would you mind if I come over and help you with that engine rebuild? I'm really, really good at this, and I won't charge you a penny. Uh, well, yeah, come on over. And so while you guys are building a relationship and building that motor and putting piston rings in and, and honing the, the, the cylinders, all of a sudden, where do you go to church? I know you're religious. I've not heard you cuss. Yeah, I'm, I'm a church going. Well, tell me about your church, you know. And you guys build this friendship, this relationship. And all of a sudden, you're friends, and you talk, and you share Jesus, and you bring somebody to Christ. Why you're building an engine, right? Does that sound crazy? It works because it's relationship-based. What do you love to do? Find a way to serve God. Serve Him in a very natural, talented way that brings you joy, but serve with a purpose. Whatever it is, however old you are, whatever walk you are in life, you can use your talents to lead others to Christ. So just quickly... Um, I want to ask one question. When we come to God's throne, right, on the day of judgment, what do we have in our hands? What is he looking for? What does he want to see when we bear talents? When we double those talents, what does he want? You tell me. Must I go in empty-handed, right? Obviously, the answer is no. I don't want to go empty-handed. Roy, if you'll go over here. Thank you. So what does God want? What does he want us to bring to him to present before his altar on that day? All right, Will, tell us. He wants to see that we've done something with what we've been given. And everybody has talents. Um, when I was a teenager, I was afraid to speak in public. It still isn't something I'm super comfortable with, but I do it anyway. I overcame that fear, but I understand a lot of people don't want to, and that's okay. Sure, it's not their talent. There are some talents that everybody can do, So a few things that everybody can contribute. So things that come to my mind, everybody can be generous. You can give to people who are in need. Uh, You can be an encourager. And while that may not get you in the bulletin on Sunday, it's still majorly important. Um, One of the passages that me, Gracie, and Noah really like from Acts is in chapter 2, after everybody was baptized, Mm -hmm. there's a passage about the infant church and what they did. And they they shared everything. They spent a lot of time together. Mm -hmm. And they encouraged each other constantly. Yeah, and that's something that everybody can do. There's no barrier of entry to being an encourager and being generous. Yep, good point. 
So I think the real challenge is whatever. Okay, Wanda has a comment. Yes, ma'am. I was looking at verse 15, if you'll go back to verse 15. Is this the parable of the talent? Yes. Okay, when sure. When he's passing out the talents, yes. notice that he gives um, each to their each one their talent according to their own ability. Yes. So he knew this person that could only only got one would probably not have the ability to do what the others would. Because if you go down to verse 27, he tells him, so you ought to have deposited my money in the banker's at the with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So he would have been pleased with that. Yeah, and and so this third man, to, it seems like he lacked faith or initiative. Right. He, the the master called him lazy and mm-hmm. wicked. I but feared you, master. Had, I know you were harsh. But if he had done that, he would have been pleasing. If he'd at least gotten some interest and invested right. it, let other bankers use the money and get some interest on the man's money, the master's money, he would have been... Been pleased. Yeah, the master saying, couldn't you have at least done this? But you just, you kind of copped out good. and took the, the easy way out and just buried it. Like, how's that benefiting me? Uh, that's a huge, a talent is, what did I say, 28 pounds, 58 pounds, a lot. 58, thank you. Yeah, I forgot. 58 pounds of something. You buried it? Really? You couldn't even at least put it in the bank? So the idea here is, church, that when we come before the Lord, when the trumpet sounds and when we're caught up in the air and we meet him, we stand before him, what are we going to have in our hands? We can't say, here's your talent back. Here you go. Just my talent. That's all you brought? Why would we expect to be treated any different than the third and final servant here, you wicked and lazy servant? The outcome is not good because he's cast out, isn't he, into the outer darkness? That's symbolic for what? I don't have to tell you. You know what that's symbolic for? But he's not welcomed into the eternity of God's abode with servant one and servant two who did yield something with their talents. Man, there's a lot of good application here. Glenn? Well, I thought it was interesting what you used, the analogy of using your hands. Yes. Uh, I think Ecclesiastes 9.10, it says, Whatever your hands finds to do, do it with all your might, for in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working or planning or knowledge nor wisdom. It's saying you better make the most of what I've given you while you're here because when you're dead, you're done. And, That's and right. I, you know, I think that was the thing with the master. He understood everyone has their limits, but if we take the limits we've got and enhance those limits to expand them and use to make the most of the time we have on this earth, look for opportunity. If you're not looking, you're not going to find. If you're not seeking, you're not going to find. Other scriptures tell us that, too. And so this is our time now, and, and it won't get uh, any timelier. As a matter of fact, the older I get, the more I realize I'm in heading to the last roundup, and we all are eventually. Some of the youngest don't think that way as, clear, as often as those of us that are at the end of our lives but yet we're all going to be in the same situation. And I think that's what the writer in Ecclesiastes was telling us. Right. Ultimately, it's God talking to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that's a good point, Glenn, that 
when it comes to the amount of talent that we have, even if it's a small amount, if we just use it to glorify God, wouldn't the principle of the mustard seed apply here? Just the mustard seed of talent? Just give him a little bit. If a little bit is all you have, give it to him. Say, Lord, help me to use this talent, however small it is, to glorify your kingdom. And I think God will produce great yield or benefit if you humbly submit that talent to him and say, Lord, I'm here for a reason. I want to glorify you. You've placed me here. You've given me talents and abilities and time. And rather than choose to do all these things for selfish reasons, let me honor you. Let me glorify you. Let me be your ambassador. And let me go out and affect people to think about your kingdom and think about Jesus. So let me use this little talent, whatever it is, And I think God will bless you. You might be surprised. You might be amazed at how God can make that little talent produce for his kingdom. If we just step out on faith and quit listening to the negative messages of the devil, if we quit listening to the devil who gets us so involved in worldly concerns and tied up in all the things that really don't matter that are not eternal, but we focus on his kingdom. So I, ultimately, I think the answer to the question is, what does God want on our hands? Ultimately, we collectively, church, in the use of all of our talents, bring souls into his kingdom. Now, what did Jesus say? The Son of Man has come to, finish it, what does he say? Seek and save animals, right? They're lost. Join up, join with Peta. And save all the animals, right? To seek and save animals. Is that what he said? Seek and save the lost. The lost. Who are the lost? Those who have not yet entered into the church. Those who have not yet confessed the name of Jesus. Those who are lost and not covered in the blood of Jesus. There's lots of lost people in the world. There's lost people in the world that have a particular need, and you can use your talent to meet that need, to touch that life to lead that person to Jesus, to let them see Jesus in you. And so whatever your talent is, if you use it creatively to build a relationship and lead a person to Christ, then you're going to be coming to the kingdom. Like Gentry's example of the, of the man who only handed out Bible tracts and kept the tracts stocked. He saved one person. He led one person to Christ. That man will come before the Lord with a soul, won't he, Gentry? And see, I think the Lord's going to be happy when that happens, Sean. Have a comment? Yeah. <clears throat> Although it's not hard to save animals, not save, not baptize them, but help animals. Right. Not that I'm an advocate of cruelty to animals. Don't misunderstand me. We shouldn't be cruel to animals. But God didn't put us on the earth to save the whales. God didn't put us on the earth to replenish ozone. Amen. He put us yeah. on the earth to save precious souls. Wake up, church. Get involved. Get busy. Use your talent. Don't come before the Lord empty-handed. We've got to stay focused and collectively, collectively, whatever that talent is, use it, whether it's singing, all right? Whatever your talent is, use it to glorify God. Build relationships. Bring people to Christ. You may be an engine rebuilder. You could be doing something with wood. You might be a craftsman, an electrician, a plumber. You, whatever that talent is, there's people out there that you can build that bridge of a relationship and lead them to Jesus. It happens and it works. All right? Three things I want to share with you I call um, three 
fallacies when it comes to, to our gifts and our talents that God gives us. One is, um, it's mine. It's mine. The master gave it to me, so guess who it belongs to? Wrong. It doesn't belong to me. I'm just entrusted with that talent. To use a gift that is God-given for one's own benefit is wrong. A talented businessman, entrepreneur who does this for his own gain would be wasting the talent he's given. He does it for his benefit, for his glory, not for God. So that's one fallacy. It's mine. Number two, my talent doesn't exist. I just don't have one. God skipped over me. Fallacy that is wrong. To not acknowledge that we have any gift at all is false. That is the devil who's misleading us if we think we have no talent of all. It shows a lack of faith, and we need to put godly faith. Remember the mustard seed. One small talent used to glorify God will create benefit. Now, the, the third fallacy uh, is probably best descriptive of the third man in this parable. Did he understand that a talent had been given to him? All right, he did. What did he do with it? He did nothing. All right. He has that what's the use attitude. What's the use? I know God's given me a talent, but God is so harsh. He's so demanding. He has all the superpowers. Who am I? I'm just a mere mortal man. My talent, if I tried to use it, what effect would it have? What does that show? It shows a lack of faith, doesn't it? Can my talent, I'm not worth it. Why even try? I'll just bury that talent and present it to the Lord when he comes back. To hide or bury a talent cause the master to call the servant wicked and lazy. So let us not even begin to go down that path of saying, what's the use? So I've got a talent. So what? Why use it? So there's three basically fallacies, three false views of talents. It's mine. It does not exist. And what's the use? Sometimes we're guilty of those three. So we don't have a talent to hide. It's, it's not our right. God wants a return. Uh, he wants that talent multiplied. He wants to see a gain. He wants to see fruit. And he wants to see harvest. Since the talent belongs to God, we have to ask how he wants it used. How will it bring glory to him? All right. Uh, Luke 19.10, he came to seek and save the lost. We've already talked about that. We talked about the song, Must I Go and Empty-Handed. I want to read um, a story to you as we close. We've got just a few minutes. Any other comments or thoughts? I've done a lot of talking tonight, and I appreciate Yes, we have another comment. Just a second. All right, there you go. The man who handed out all the pamphlets. Yeah, talking uh, to the ball. There he you go. Could have, he there. could have. <laughs> Good. He could have handed pamphlets to visitors over all those years he was handing out pamphlets. Right. Who went home and read it. Yes. And was converted maybe at, at somewhere else. That's right. So you can't say he just did one. Right. I mean, that's one we know of. One, yeah, one but, that we're aware of. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to believe, Judy, that even with that one convert that we know for sure, the Lord is going to be happy. Remember the two-talent man? He produced two. The five-talent man produced five. This man that was uh, not very visible, not very active in the church, but did a lot of work behind the scenes, produced a soul. And how, how much is a soul worth? It's invaluable. Invaluable. Glenn? Uh, there's a website, and I like it because it gives you a chance 
to, to exert influence and to have an open discussion with other neighbors next door, uh, and that's the name of it, next door. And uh, I was telling Judy uh, right before we came to uh, tonight for Bible study, this couple come on there and says, hi, we're so-and-so, and we live, and it was very close to Stroudsville Church. Durham Road, and I thought, wow, that's close. Here's a possible opportunity. Yes. You know, we, we need to go in to things and say, there, here's a possible opportunity. Do I say nothing? Do I do nothing? Or we see somebody, or we come in contact with somebody. What's your initial reaction? We all need to ask ourselves this, because Satan's going to whisper, and we're, oh, I just keep your mouth shut. You know, they, they're, they're probably something else. Well, she answered me very promptly, and she says, thank you so much. I appreciate your interest and your, uh, you know, putting forward an invitation to attend Stroudsville Church, you know, and we know where that's at and everything. Well, it turned out it was another religious group. But the fact that we asked, to me, told them something, that these people are reaching out. They want to share Jesus. I told them we were a very loving congregation, that we were very close-knit, supported one another, so who knows, maybe that where she's going, where they are going, her and her husband, uh, are, uh, will meet their needs or maybe they won't. Mm -hmm. But to assume that they, they, they're locked up and forget it and move on, and it's kind of like the, the uh, Good Samaritan we studied a couple weeks ago. We can shrug our shoulders and just say, nah, I just don't say anything. Right. I don't believe that. Why get involved? No, sir. The Lord gave me an opportunity to share something about us, and Amen. that's not time wasted or time lost. I mean, and I'll tell you something else. A great venue for reaching out, in my opinion, is what you and Jim are doing at our assisted living, in our independent care facilities, going to these places and building relationships. You're really letting your light shine. And I've been told by some of the ladies that are volunteering in this ministry, they said, they think Stroudsville's adopted them. They call Stroudsville their home congregation. I mean, these are, these are precious relationships where we're glorifying God, using talents to encourage and visit and care for people in the name of Jesus. And I just have to think the Lord's happy when he sees that. I really, and I want to encourage all of you who are involved in, in that ministry to, to find out more. Use your time. If you're retired, if you're bored, man, we've got a job for you. And... It's, and just like Howard, I believe if you get involved and you do it, you'll find great joy. I, I believe that with all my heart. I've had lunch with some of these sweet elderly folks, and I come away just enjoying it so much and look forward to the next time we, we get together again. We just have a great time around the, the lunch table. So I want to share this with you. One Christian lady's gift was baking. Boy, that's evangelistic, isn't it? Think about this. She quietly went about her normal daily life baking for others. She took cakes to the neighbors. She took pies to the bereaved. She took food to the sick, to newcomers in the community, to the needy all around her. As she went from house to house, she talked about the church she attended. She invited the people she was helping to come with her sometime. Many times they went. They heard the saving message of Jesus Christ. The sad part is that if you had asked this beautiful Christian if she were evangelistic, she would have ducked her head in shame and said, No, I'm not. I wish I were, but it's just not my gift to preach or teach. You see a problem here? 
She is evangelistic, isn't she? More importantly, if you had asked this faithful, committed Christian if she were saved, she would have said, I don't know. I hope so. There's nothing in this parable to shake the confidence of the committed Christian in the security of his salvation. There's only a warning to those who seek cheap grace without any commitment to fulfill God's purposes for their lives. There is certainly no support for meritorious works as a basis of salvation. It was not the actual achievement, but the motivation that determined which servants were allowed to share their Lord's happiness, i.e., two-talent man, five-talent man, both greatly rewarded by the master because they duplicated their talent. It's time for us to stop limiting our evangelistic effectiveness for the master. Howard's going to be talking about this soon in our Bible class. We must begin to recognize and use every gift of God to increase his kingdom assets by sharing the good news message. So remember, the master will come back to reward those who diligently seek him and use their gifts he gave them for his benefit. We don't want to have to say, here, Lord, here's your gift. I've saved it for you. Recognizing our spiritual gifts and how we can serve the master with them is a primary responsibility, but it's one with promise and incredible joy, happiness, and productivity. Whatever your gift, use it. Whatever you enjoy doing, do it for God. Find that talent. Use that talent. Glorify God. Bring somebody into a relationship with Jesus. But the key is, with your talent, build a relationship. It's all about relationships. And that's what we're doing when we love other people and we're involved in their life and they can see Jesus in us. Thank you so much for your comments tonight. We'll take just a couple of minutes and uh, let the kids come in and get situated and and then uh, we'll have our invitation. Appreciate everyone who participated and had comments tonight. Thank you so much. Invitation song tonight is number 470. Roy will be leading us in that. Just a closer walk with thee. I've been thinking lately about uh, a lot of things going on in the world, and there's a lot of uncertainty, unrest. It can create anxiety. Um, and sometimes we begin to wonder, God, are you, are you still there? Are you in control? Or It seems like good people seem to be put in a bad light, and evil people seem to be the majority and sometimes we feel like we're, we're losing the battle. But he's there. He wants to be intimate with us. He wants to be close. He wants his spirit to comfort us. And so we're going to sing an invitation song, just a closer walk with thee, number 470. And uh, we want to encourage you to think about your relationship. We want to encourage you to think about how can I remain intimate with Jesus and close to him? How can the spirit be with me and commune with me? And how can I affect others? So don't be discouraged. Uh, realize that there seems to be times where Satan is winning the battle and that evil is greater than the good. But in the end, God always wins. Love always wins. 
and we will be victorious. We will have an eternity with the Lord. Let us be encouraged and remember that the battle belongs to the Lord. So tonight, if you need to respond or ask for prayer, we'll help you in any way we can because we always want to walk closer with the Lord and, uh, and let our light shine for him. Let's stand and sing together number 470, just a closer walk. This will be all three verses. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I
Love that song. Appreciate that. Here's some announcements we want to share with you. Um, I wanted to quickly just mention Jack Birch. This is Meg's dad. Uh, he's been successfully um, had the procedure for his pacemaker. It was a micro pacemaker they actually put inside the heart. Unusual situation. I've not heard of that procedure before. That was successful. Unfortunately, he's had fluid build up in his lungs and they won't let him go home. So just pray about that. So I'm going to be a bachelor a little bit longer while she's caring for her mom in North Alabama. And she went to visit her dad and took her mom today. So um, just remember Jack Birch, B-U-R-C-H, if you would, in your prayer. Uh, Clint, by the way, is going to lead us in a prayer in just a few moments. So uh, any other sick that we need to be aware of? I have talked to Bill and BJ. Bill's continuing to recover at home and just pray for him and his rehab and, and adapting to home life. Yes, Joanne? Yeah, Lee, Lee Smith's sister, that's sad, diagnosed with cancer. All right, anyone else? Yes. Okay, he had knee surgery, I think. Okay. Anybody know about Brenda Holt's brother, how he's doing? Okay, he do has a feeding tube and he's stable. Good, I know. Still at the nursing home, I know he was really weak for a while. So we remember, what's his name again? Roger Dale Holt. Okay, Roger Dale Holt, yeah. Oh, good, thank you. Okay. All right, there is a correction in the bulletin about the singing. It will be at Brookdale. I think we mentioned Dogwood Bend, but it's not Dogwood, it's Brookdale. That's the one on Memorial. It's actually the the dementia memory care unit where you have to get in and out of the locked door. So uh, that will be at 225, and you can see Howard for more information. I promise you if you go watch Howard, he'll smile when he leads singing. I know that. Brian's oh, Brian, that's right. Brian's gonna, Brian will probably smile too, I think. So. All right. There's a sign-up list for host of our youth activities for 23. So that's on the bulletin board. Now take a look at that. Area-wide Youth Devo is this coming Sunday night at Cooperstown. That will be at 5 o'clock. The bus leaves at 4.30. Uh, and if you need to ride to the, to the Devo, just see Ryan for more information. We're congratulating Travis and Christine Gupton. They were married October 8th. And to celebrate their marriage, we're going to give them a gift card shower There's a table back there in the foyer. You'll see a picture of them, and you can just leave the card or gift. If you want to leave a gift card, that'd be wonderful. And uh, we need those by January 22. There's a secret sister reveal coming up Sunday, the 22nd of January, in the Fellowship Hall. That'll be right after morning services. You can see Shannon Garrett if you're not able to attend, but we always enjoy that event each year where we reveal secret sisters. There's a calendar planning session That's going to be the 22nd of January at 6 p.m. That's following services uh, in the Fellowship Hall. I'm sorry. It'll be Sunday, the 22nd, following morning worship, so right after services. And contact Shannon. uh, It's evening. Okay. Evening worship. So it'll be right after services in the evening. All right. That's calendar planning session.
All right. Uh, I got those confused. Calendar planning meeting, January 22, 6 p.m., following evening service. I jumped up a line. Sorry about that. See Brian if you need information uh, about that, but we need everybody to come and bring your calendar events. That will be January 22 at 6 p.m. Picking and Ribs fundraiser for Lawwood Christian Camp is Saturday, March 4th. That will be at Trenton Crossing at 6 p.m. There is a flyer. And you can see Noah Eastland or Dale if you want tickets for that event, that fundraiser for a good cause. All right, any other announcements? Wayne, put him yeah, we saw Wayne last week, and he wasn't feeling good. So is he still fighting head cold or bronchitis or whatever he has? Yeah, he had circles under his eyes and wasn't feeling well. So Wayne Head, remembering prayer. Thank you. Anyone else? Somebody say something? Okay. All right. What's our count tonight? 103. All right. Clint, come and lead us in our closing prayer. Thank you. Bow with me, please. Father, we want to thank you for a beautiful day you've blessed us with, the warmer weather and temperatures to be able to Get outside and enjoy the the beautiful creation you've given us. Father, we thank you for this time we get to come together in the middle of the week to be able to study and worship you. What a privilege that is. Father, we pray that it will strengthen our light just a little more that we'll be able to go through the rest of this week and hopefully somebody will see the light of you through us and maybe, maybe, Father, we'll just have them question us as to why we we are the way we are and have that little door open just a little bit father father we have several on our hearts and minds tonight we have uh, miss brenda armstrong that has had a recent cancer diagnosis father we pray that the doctors and nurses will be able to properly diagnose the, the plan to be able to battle that and Father, that she will respond to the to the treatments positive positively, and she'll be able to, to uh, get back to a normal walk of life. Father, we have several that have gone through surgeries. Brother Jack, with his heart surgery that was successful, Father, we thank you so much for getting him through there. But he's not quite out of the woods. If he would, Father, continue to bless him that the. The fluid will come on off his lungs and heart, and everything with him will, will stabilize, and he'll be able to get back to his home. Father, we thank for Larry Key, and Terry Boker, and Roger Holt for all getting better out of their surgeries and recoveries and all the things that they have been through here recently. Father, and we pray for Wayne Head, who's still fighting a, a cold or whatever's had him down. Father, there's been many here lately that have been just battling the, the wintertime flus and many little th- bugs that are running around. We, we pray for everyone to heal up and to look forward to the, the warmer temperatures coming that they will be able to kind of shake off the wintertime blues. Father, we ask that we just go on through that out this night and hold thy hand on throughout the rest of our life that we will always look to you for the strength and guidance we need. Father, we pray that if we've been found faithful, that you will hopefully finally in heaven save us. And it's through your son's name we pray. 
Amen.